This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Southpaw. So for this fight study, Paul is on a much-needed weekend getaway with a significant other. So it'll be just me covering all the action. So let's start with Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kevin Lee. Now, this is an interesting matchup because of all their similarities and differences. Both are former lightweights who have moved up to welterweight, and both are around the same height. But Lee has a massive reach advantage over RDA. He has 7 inches on him. And even though they're both former lightweights and RDA has been in the welterweight division for longer, it was Lee who had the size advantage. Lee looked like a normal welterweight, whereas RDA still looks like a small welterweight or a big lightweight. Their styles are also similar. They're both pressure fighters who like to wrestle and submit. Now, RDA is the southpaw. So from the open stand striking positions, both their jabs become neutralized. Mostly but their rear hand side, body and head, are open to kicks, and their lead leg is also open to kicks. And throughout the fight, both fighters took advantage of the weak side in this open stance matchup, constantly throwing kicks to the body. And the way their stances are, when you kick with your rear leg to your opponent, it lands flush to the body. All of your shin connects. Whereas when it's a traditional close stance matchup, when you throw the kick, it lands on their hip, their arm, or their side because you're kicking to their close side. Now, in almost all of Kevin Lee's fights, the first round is usually his best round. I believe it comes down to two things. His pace, which is always highest in the first, and secondly, his reach. Because he isn't that tall, his opponents have a hard time gauging the reach of Lee. They know his reach is long on paper, but what does that look like when he's standing right in front of you? And while Lee's opponents try to figure out the distance, they usually get cracked. And that's what happened in this fight. Lee knocks down RDA with a jab as RDA was kicking. Then he takes him down and jumps on his back. But the jab didn't seem to hurt RDA. It more pushed him off balance because that's the risk when you throw a kick. You're balancing on one leg. And even though the jab didn't hurt him, if the follow-up right hand had landed, that would be a different story. Now. Lee lives and dies from back control. He has a lot of slick entries to get to the back, but it also takes a lot of effort. And the thing about Lee, he doesn't conserve himself. Whereas RDA knows when to vary up his power and his speed, not just on his punches and kicks, but also in his wrestling. Whereas Lee does everything full bore. And the RDA plan was to keep touching him, making Lee work, rather than trying hard to secure an advantage. Just chip away and let Lee gas himself out. In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, this is called cooking your opponent. If your opponent is better than you and stronger than you, even the playing field by cooking him, then submit a tired opponent. Why try to submit him when he's at his best? Submit him when you know he's worse than you. And even though this tends to be a BJJ strategy, you can use this as well in MMA. And the key to RDA's cardio has been his ability to vary up his power. Now, Lee definitely studied the tape on RDA, 
and try to pin him up against the fence and beat him up and wear him out. But RDA has some answers to Lee's wrestling and pressure. Similar to what Rose Namajunas did, RDA used the double wrist lock to counter Lee's doubles and singles. However, where RDA differed from Namajunas is, he used the double wrist lock to break Lee's grip, then let go of it to fight for underhooks. Or, he used the double wrist lock to yank Lee's arm up, then wizard hard on the far side. Or, he used that grip to stand Lee up, then get the tight clinch and throw knees or elbows. And he also used it to get over under to turn Lee around against the fence. He used the double wrist lock as an entry to wrestling, not as a submission hold. And he used it with more versatility. His concept wasn't as just a trap to get to a final submission. It was more of the wrestling strategy of two-on-one, where two arms are controlling one arm. And since Lee is so much stronger, using two arms to fight Lee's one arm not only helped RDA conserve energy, but it made RDA stronger than Lee. So what did Lee do? He had to increase his energy output to maintain control. RDA also used a lot of head kicks on Lee's open side, which hurt Lee twice, which led also to two takedowns. In all of Kevin Lee's fights, he's never been taken down this many times. Now, the reason why the kick hurt Kevin Lee was, even though Lee defended the head kick correctly, he was too shallow with his defense and not tucked in, which allowed RDA to skim the top of Lee's head with his shin. So it wasn't enough to knock him out or knock him down, but it was definitely enough to wobble him. And also Lee, similar to his fight with Al Ayaquinta, was caught waiting too much. And again, lack versatility. If his opponent did something slick against him, Lee would just copy it and do it back. But the problem is, he's not the one doing the slick thing. He's the one copying the slick thing. That means in this dance, Lee is not the one leading. And in the pocket, Lee tends to run out of ideas and either gets hit or goes for a badly timed takedown, which he makes up for with force. A big part of why Kevin Lee gasses in his fights isn't just because he does everything 100%, but also because he forces moves rather than timing moves or not being selective with his opportunities. He's almost too urgent in his fights. Lee's also very stiff in his striking, and it appears to be mostly a problem with his shoulders. It seems like they just fill up with blood and burn out. Then a stiff jab turns into a slow jab, and it becomes telegraphed, and then his guard begins to drop. And if your jab is slow, you don't have a reach advantage. Instead, your reach becomes a hindrance, because it's too slow to retract. And this is where RDA began to piece Lee up, in the pocket, where he entered off the slow jab. And Lee also stopped following up the jab with his right. When Lee gets tired, his jab becomes one note just a solitary punch. Then it becomes easy to predict. And if you hit Lee, he'll shoot. Which, if you're drawing that shot out of him, you can stuff the takedown easily. Or you can have Lee burn himself out in the attempt because he's going to try to force it again. And RDA had been using the wrestling to burn out Lee's arms anyway. He's been cooking him. Just as RDA was cooked by Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman. Now in the later rounds, when Lee does get the takedown, which is never easy, he runs to the back, as I mentioned, and he forces these transitions rather than going with the flow, where he allows his opponent to do the work for him. Lee will do the work of both fighters, and since he's so big and strong, that's worked for him for many of his fights. If you don't do what he wants, he'll just double the output. So when he does get to the back, 
Lee ends up too tired to keep things tight. And it becomes a loose back control that's easy to escape. And then RDA begins to win the scrambles. Lee would have been better served to use the American Kickboxing Academy approach, like Daniel Cormier or Habib Nurmagomedov. Take them down, leg ride, ham fight, or chop their arms. And then you control them, make them carry your weight, let them tire themselves out, while you regain your energy. Lee needs more of that and less of the back control. So at this point, RDA wasn't just winning the scrambles, he was also winning in the stand-up. And in the end, Lee attempts one last burst of energy for a takedown, and then he loses it. And then he doesn't have the energy to scramble back up to his feet. So instead, he turtles up and accepts the bottom position, maybe hoping RDA will try to take his back, which would give Lee a break. But instead, RDA grabs the front headlock, which he uses to keep Lee's arms away from his legs. Then he spins to get to the side of Lee, not to take his back, but to pound him out. From here, Lee turns to avoid the punches. But unlike in previous scrambles, where Lee got to his side, got to half guard, or got a butterfly hook to stand up, he just gave up the mount. Lee was no longer fighting for position. From being mounted, Lee tried to escape in one explosive movement by sitting up and pushing off RDA's head to sit out. But Lee lacked the energy for such an explosive move. And also, RDA has a lot of pressure and he's strong on top. He proved that against another big opponent, Neil Magny. So when Lee couldn't sit up, he ended up leaving his arm by RDA's head. Now Lee knew the choke was coming. This is a move Lee also uses. But Lee couldn't fight for better arm positioning because his arms were dead. All the pummeling RDA made him do, and all the wrestling, burned his arms out. Everything RDA did was paying off at this point. Then RDA used the same arm triangle he used against Neil Magny on an exhausted Kevin Lee. Like I said, RDA cooked him. He tired the stronger, bigger opponent until he became a white belt. And RDA, well, he doesn't even have to be a black belt. With this strategy, you just have to make sure your stamina is one belt above your opponent's. And that's still enough to get the job done. Because in this fight, RDA was tired. He just wasn't as tired as Kevin Lee. Now, RDA versus Kevin Lee has similarities to Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andraj. But RDA had better answers against the wrestling. But Deontay Wilder versus Dominic Brazil also had similarities to RDA versus Kevin Lee. With Wilder as the longer fighter, showing more variety with the jab and reach than Kevin Lee did. So for that reason, let's move on to Wilder versus Brazil, which started five minutes after RDA versus Kevin Lee and ended a couple of minutes later. But a lot happened in that two minutes and 17 seconds. First of all, Wilder looked much bigger than in his previous fights. He was close to 12 pounds bigger than he was in his Tyson Fury fight. Now the thing about Wilder, he gives a lot of weird feints and takes a lot of awkward angles in his fights. Rather than leaning back onto his back leg, like other fighters might, he rocks back onto his heels, like people do when they're about to limbo. And so, because of these odd angles, you can't tell how the punch will come, or even gauge his timing. You don't know how to read what you're looking at, because no one you train with does that. But along with that, Wilder in this fight varied up the speed of his punches, along with the speed of his step-in. Sometimes he steps in fast, sometimes he takes a small step, sometimes he just plods forward. He actually does a lot with his step-in, varying up even how deep his penetration step is. And also his jab was constantly changing. Speed, tempo, 
It was a single jab, a double jab. He was jabbing in place. He was jabbing going forward. He was jabbing going back. He was stepping in with the jab. These are all things Lee could have also done. When Wilder does charge in to hurt his opponent, he lifts his lead leg up pretty high, like a horse getting ready to gallop. All the weight goes onto his back leg, basically to leap forward. This is why his right hand often lands before he can fully extend it, because he stepped in so deep. But in this fight, Wilder was jabbing up Brazil even before the end. But part of why this was so successful was because Brazil had a loose guard, which allowed Wilder to get through with his jab. Also, Brazil was walking Wilder down without much offense. The only time in the fight he put Wilder on the defensive was after the first time he himself got hurt and he had to fight his way out of the corner. So he caught Wilder with some overhands while Wilder was looking to finish him. It didn't hurt Wilder, but it backed him up. Now as we progress in the round, Brazil began to clinch to try to control Wilder's power and also because he couldn't read a step in. And after a clinch break, when both fighters were being reset, rather than stepping back, Wilder stepped forward in lockstep with Brazil, then caught him with a 1-2 because they were in lockstep and because it was right after a reset. Brazil wasn't ready and he took a flush and he was out before he hit the floor. And also Wilder hadn't done this in the round yet, so it was off pattern. And it was also off rhythm because the punches were landing before Brazil even set his feet. And also throughout the fight, Brazil was walking forward without offense and with a loose guard. This was his pattern so far, which now Wilder was predicting. You can't even get away with a tight forearm guard with Wilder, let alone a loose guard. You need head movement, as Fury showed. When you have the reach on your opponent, you have to build off the jab. And that's what Wilder's been doing more and more. Use those long arms and legs and make people work to reach you and make them pay as they get close. And sometimes, since they have to come forward to win, meet them there with a punch. And that's really all I have off the top of my head. I'm recording this literally hours after both fights. But if you have some of your own insights, I'd love to hear them. Let me know on Facebook or Instagram on the Southpaw page or on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Stuff from Sam. Also, we always love your support on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash southpawpod. All the links I mentioned will be in the show notes. Otherwise, until next time, goodbye. <laughs>